You're listening to The Keys 107 on Blog Talk Radio. Rafika, I'm your host tonight. Sit back and get ready. We got a hot show for you. The healthy tip of the day is up next. You're listening to The Keys on Blog Talk Radio. Today's healthy tip of the day is to keep it moving. Oftentimes we feel stuck. Stuck on the couch, stuck at our jobs, stuck at our relationships, or even stuck eating the same old foods every day. The reality is all this stuckness is just an illusion. Life is really a constant flow of energy and movement. One way I like to instantly get myself unstuck is to literally get myself up and move my body. I especially love moving and dancing to live drumming. The more you are aligned with the perpetual movement and flow of all things, the less stagnant and stuck you feel, and the more you will begin to enjoy life. Today's healthy tip of the day has been brought to you by the Organic Soul Chef, Medea Allen. And you can visit me online for more healthy tips at OrganicSoulChef.com. Welcome back to the Keys with your host, Rafika. Well, welcome back. This is Rafika coming to you live from the headquarters here. Kiti Awadu is here to talk about his movie, Suicide, and we're just so very happy to be back to sit in your living rooms or in your car or wherever you're listening to us. And uh, if you would like to tune in, you can call in at 213-943-3618. 213-943-3618. Kitty is coming in to answer any question you may have about suicide. He's going to talk about the whole process of being an independent filmmaker. He's going to give you some tips on how to eat right. And uh, we have a clip that i got to get to. So I'm going to bring Kitty Awadu in right now to get this started. Greetings, Kitty. Greetings to you, my beloved sister Rafika. I hope you are in magnificent spirits today. Well, you know, Kitty, when I called you earlier, we were in such thick traffic. But uh, as you said, uh, like Noah parted the Red Sea, you parted the Long Island Expressway, and we were able to get in on time to sit, relax, and be calm and just be ready to relaunch the Keys 107 Network. And we just want to thank you for giving us your time. It's so exciting. It, as you know, we have been off air 
live broadcasting for quite some time, and J.R. Strong of Hoodrich Magazine kicked it off yesterday with his first uh, broadcast, and uh, you are the first to be live on the Keys 107 Network. Well, what an honor for me. Let's make it live. Let's give the people far, far more than they bargained for. Okay, great. Now, you know, this whole concept of suicide, <laughs> tell me how it all came about, the name suicide. I mean, it's it's clear, but um, let's go deep into the background of suicide. The word suicide is not a word that I coined. It's actually been out here in the common street lexicon for some time. It had previously been referred to when people eat themselves so, eat so much in one meal that they get the itis so bad that they feel like they're dying. But when we, I, I don't know when I began using the term, but it became more and more a, a great symbol, or a kind of an iconic term to illustrate to people the impact of the standard American diet and its devious little cousin, soul food diet. And so the word suicide, we've been building on it for about five years now, and eventually, of course, in order to best tell the story of how the food system has been corrupted, I decided to go ahead and get this documentary film made, and, of course, the best title we could ever have had for the documentary is Suicide the Movie. Okay, we're live and direct, and it seems like you may have slipped out of the conversation. Keith, can you hear me? I can hear you now. Can you hear me? I can hear you now. (laughs) Can you hear me? We just have to, you know, go with the flow sometimes. One, two, three, talk to me. Can you hear me? I can hear you very clearly. Okay. Yeah, for some odd reason, it just dropped out for about 20 seconds there. I did notice that. I thought it was just a regular delay. But it's okay. You know, we, we know how to rock and roll and block talk. I say. Yes. And on your site and in your promotions, you you, you say when, when the food is so deliciously decadent. I, I just love that because that is the key right there. Um, the food that we're talking about tastes so good that we often don't think about the the deadly ingredients in that food that's killing us. The consequences of suicide on the American public has produced an absolute catastrophe. When we look at the United States separate from other developed countries, there's, a, there's just no denying that Americans eat the, uh, a different way than most other developed countries. The standard American diet is really the epitome of killer cuisine with a whole lot of, of course, uh, heavy reliance upon meats, meats themselves that are loaded with a whole spectrum of industrial and farming chemicals. Um, Spectrum, uh, the the U.S. diet consumes the most sugar per capita that has ever been consumed by any people in history. An estimated 162 pounds of refined white sugar per person each year, as well as an additional 60 pounds of high, high fructose corn syrup. It's overly laden with salt sugar, fat, as well as a broad spectrum and increasing on a regular basis or increasing almost on a daily basis number of chemicals masquerading as food. And so when we understand that this completely unnatural way of eating has permeated this culture 
and uh, the way that it is really kind of taking household by household, we might anticipate that there would be some health statistics that might follow such a consumption of such a garbage diet and the health statistics that have been rising in the last three decades following the American diet have been catastrophic. Mm. And, and you mentioned the salt, which leads to, of course, high blood pressure, but you also discuss about the, 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 the chronic diseases, cancer, heart disease, clogged arteries, and diabetes, of course, and obesity, which leads to a lot of other illnesses. But you are you... absolutely right. If we just take any one of these chronic diseases, all of which are raging epidemics within the United States, if we just look at cancer, even though we could look separately at diabetes, kidney failure, heart disease, uh, mental disorders, etc., but just look at cancer. According to the research I've gathered over the years, in ancient times, in ancient Egypt, there were some 800 preserved mummies whose bodies have been examined using modern science. And cancer tumors actually were able to um, survive the mummification process and show up. The incidence of cancer at death in ancient Egypt was 0.25 of 1%. We fast forward to the beginning of the 20th century in 1900 in the United States. The incidence of cancer at death was 4% of the population, having increased some 16 times since ancient Egypt. But at the end of that century, the incidence of cancer had risen from 1 in 24 to 1 in 4, an increase of 600% in the incidence of cancer at death in just one century. Now here we are 14 years into the new century, and that incidence has risen to about, point, to about 31%. So it's approaching 1 out of 3. And so, therefore, if people are serious, about wanting to avoid this debilitating and absolutely frightening disease, they're going to have to have a serious cancer prevention lifestyle. Mm. Kitty, in, in the average fast food uh, chain, some major, or I should say come some common ingredients that we are aware of is salt. But absolutely. In fact, the triumvirate, of salt, sugar, and fat really become the staples of how fast food has become so addictive for the population. And, of course, you cannot also uh, disclude the impact of industrial chemicals masquerading as food. It, it just sounds, it, it sounds overwhelming, salt, sugar, and fat in one, in one sitting, one, one plate of food. Well, that's the, that's the addictive combination that the American uh, processed food industries really kind of have established themselves on, salt, sugar, fat, and chemicals. And if most people really became aware of the extent to which these food processors have developed a high science of making food irresistible, making it addictive, then the people would realize either I get off this stuff or I have to openly admit that, yes, I am a slave to the food industries. Mm. Mm. And, and how do you check on that? If you just can't say no, if you can't just stop, then... Well, you know, the way you check on it is first to understand the depth to which this system has been put into place. 
Now, the movie Suicide, we go into this to no small extent. We talk about it really from several different angles. At one point, I talk about comparing our bodies to a luxury automobile and the ways that we would treat that automobile to keep it maintained to have longevity and high performance out of that automobile, even if that automobile were free. But most people, given the um, facts of the matter, will treat that luxury automobile better than they will treat their own body. I don't remember if it was you, Kitty, who said um, that you, you, you take your car. If you start hearing your brakes grind or some funny noises in your car, you see that, that light flash, you need an oil change, you immediately go and fix your car. But it, it comes to our bodies. I don't know how many people I've spoken to in the last few weeks and, and, and asked them if they knew what their sugar levels were. And they were like, mm-hmm. I, I haven't had it checked. Now, right. I, I well, also... With the luxury automobile, we meet the presumption that if we follow the manufacturer's specifications for how to maintain that automobile, then it will give that long life and high performance. But most of us are completely unaware that Mother Nature also gave us a set of manufacturer's specifications for the human body. And you have to listen to the human body because there are signs. Now, now. As I said that, I thought, I just thought about it, that is it, is it a fact, Katie, that if you are pre-diabetic, when your sugar levels are, is it above 100, then there, there, are, there are no extreme indications? Well, people can be in various stages of hyperglycemia, excess sugar in the blood. And when we look at the general population across the board, um, there is a tendency for this to be the regular pattern within the United States. We look at the incidence of diabetes as it has expanded, virtually doubling within the U.S. population every three decades. You know, I can remember a time when diabetes used to be called senile diabetes, which, meant, which later was changed to adult-onset diabetes. This is, of course, people who developed a resistance to insulin um, as they went through their later through life. But we saw the name keep changing. It changed from adult onset to multiple onset diabetes of the youth, MODI, juvenile diabetes, another way of calling the same thing. Now they're using the term gestational diabetes, which means mm. during a woman's pregnancy, both she and her child get hyperglycemia, to the point that insulin resistance becomes the standard, and she puts her life as well as her unborn child's life in jeopardy because of her body's inability to process the sugar that's floating in the blood. Oh, that's very scary, gestational diabetes, because if you don't clean that up immediately when you give birth, you will have diabetes. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely, and it makes it for a very, very problematic pregnancy as well. It is a great stressor on a woman's body while she's undergoing these phenomenal hormonal changes almost on an hourly basis. And the fact of the matter is, is that, you know, we as a people have just not been paying attention to these broader trends. So hence the movie, Suicide the Movie, comes as a wake-up surprise, kind of a rude surprise to a large number of people who've watched it. But for those of us who are already quite familiar with 
you know, the advanced techniques of health maintenance, fasting, detoxification, vegetarian, veganism, lifestyle, as well as the seven principles of health I talked about in my earlier book. For those of us already aware of that, beautiful thing about the movie is I got some cutting-edge science in a number of categories that still have escaped even the most aware population's consciousness. So give us some highlights of the movie Suicide. Well, highlights. First of all, it's a lot of fun. I learned a long time ago why comedy was such a good vehicle for self-critique as well as for, you know, teaching the population that the things that we were doing weren't working so well. So we do have a good measure of fun with the movie. I do create a couple of characters in the movie, one of whom, fake Dr. Kitty, has a lot of fun. But it really comes down to examining the, the behind the scenes. And I think one of the, there will probably be about six things that I do when Suicide the movie that I think are unique, have not been done in this broad plethora of excellent health and nutrition documentary films that have appeared on the scene since the first one comes along, um, Supersize Me. I do a number of things in it that have not been done before. Of course, you know, we're coming from a different perspective. We believe that we're caring for it. The Imhotep, George Washington Carver, and Shekhanta Giop gene, and that gene seeks to be brilliant, to be uh, innovative, and to also be appealing to a particular consciousness that is the oldest civilized consciousness on this planet. One of the things that I really think is very, very important, and you may have heard some people making this, uh, saying this phrase before, well, in the days of slavery, I'd have never been a slave. They would have had to kill me. Well, for people who make that statement, quite often I can just ask them one question. What did you eat for dinner yesterday? And find out whether or not they are a modern slave. So we draw a parallel between the triangular trade of enslavement that brought tens of millions of us from the shores of West Africa to the Caribbean, South America, North America. We compare that triangular trade of old to today's triangular trade which begins, first of all, with a corrupted food chain, which secondly produces a high incidence of chronic disease and disorder among those who consume this food the most. And then the third leg of that new triangular trade is that the portion of the profits made by these greedy corporations from our ignorance and from our misery, a portion of that profits is spent lobbying Congress, forcing laws and regulations that favor their perpetuation of our enslavement. Mm. I often wondered, how are these foods allowed to come into communities, to come into our bodies with no regulation, knowing the high levels of the, of the, 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 the trio that we talked about, the trilogy of death, the salt, the fat? There's no regulation yeah. on them. Well, there is regulation in place. But we have to understand the corruption of the regulation is is that the <clears throat> most profitable of these corporations delivering the bad food and delivering the bad medicine, the most profitable of them are able to place their key people or their people in the key places inside of the regulatory structure. So hence, 
while the U.S. Department of Agriculture, Food and Drug Administration, and other um, institutions of the American health establishment know very, very well the outcome of highly processed food, of milk and dairy and meat consumed at the rate that Americans eat it, of the impact of long-chain molecules masquerading, chemicals masquerading as food. They know. I've seen their research. They know the impact of this. But they are ultimately judging this by a cost-benefit factor, which ultimately favors, to a very great extent, the perpetuation of the corporations that keep corrupting the food more and more every decade. If people want to get themselves out of this new deadly enslavement, they're going to have to take on the uh, modality of Harriet Tubman and just steal away at any risk to themselves or by any means necessary and then it would be best for us to do also, like Harriet Tubman, to come back and to free our friends, free our family, free our community. Kitty, we have some callers on the line, and I just want to mention to all the people who are listening in uh, via the call-in line, which is 213-943-3618, 213-943-3618. If you're just listening in, that's fine. We welcome you. But if you want to speak to Kitty, you have to press the, the uh, uh, number one on your keypad um, so that we know, or the pound sign, so that we know that you want to, um, you have to raise your hand, in other words. Uh, we're going to break for a commercial at the half hour. Now, during that break, I could jump in and, and speak to some of the callers, Kitty, just in case they're not clear on how to get through to talk to you. But um, you're hitting such, um, I think you're hitting home and maybe shaking up a lot of people, you know, in this conversation. You've been on the road talking about the movie Suicide, which leads to talking about good health and good foods. Um, was your trip to Africa in reference to the movie? My trip to Africa was actually, I was there shooting my upcoming movie, uh, which would be the third documentary I've either uh, produced and directed or worked on in great measure this year. And that documentary will be on the new face of pan-African trade and development or global economics. I'm really, really excited about that. While in Africa, I did get a chance to speak at a conference on the new face of African agriculture, something for which I am tremendously excited. So ultimately, you know, wherever I go, the subject of food always manages to creep up on the, um, on the agenda for me to be discussing. Now, as I've traveled abroad, and um, one of the things that always that always like surprises me, which at this point it should not surprise me, but it does, the um, fast food industry is there. We know we don't need to name any particular names, but the fast food industry is in the continent is 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 on the continent of Africa, and and are we seeing a, a rise in? Uh, high blood pressure and, and, and the same diseases that is prolific here, is, is that beginning to emerge at higher rates there because of the diet? Undeniably, these patterns of emergent chronic diseases that resemble dietary-related disease, diseases of the developing countries is showing up in the developing countries, even though at a much, much lower incidence and rate that we're seeing here, the rate of rise is very great as well. As African countries are moving very rapidly into development, we're seeing the fastest growing rate of middle class 
within the sub-Saharan African countries of any part of the planet. And one of the things that middle-class people do, uh, we see the same phenomena in China, as so many of their population have moved into middle-class and upper-middle-class. One of the things that they do is they start to consume more and more the patterns of dietary uh, indulgence that are common in the West, in particular America. So while I was there in Kenya, we did have talks with some of the local people who are starting to see greater rates of obesity, cardiovascular disease, diabetes, and other so-called diseases of wealthy countries. Hmm. Now, here in America, you you, you commented um, on on all of your sites, and I'm sure in, in person, that one of the reasons why people have a difficult time stopping or breaking this addiction is because of the bombardment of advertising in, mm-hmm. on a daily basis for this food. Now, let's talk here in the United States about that, but that's all, let's also go abroad. Are we seeing the same um, aggressive advertising for fast food there too? We're not seeing so much aggressive advertising for fast foods on the media there. Um, as the fast foods industry is really kind of still in its fundamental stages and doesn't have the sufficient wealth to be able to promote itself like that, even though you are seeing dialogue, especially among young people, of the convenience of fast food and kind of the chic of being able to go out and eat at one of these fast food places. What you are seeing and what is quite disturbing about media in um, developing countries, especially on the African continent, is you're seeing so much American media and British media. And for far too many people, they have the perception that whatever is being done in America, especially if it's being done by African Americans, whatever is being done is the cool thing to do. So the styles of hair that we pursue, they want them also. The types of dress, they see them also. We can see a kind of hip-hop swag that many of the young men are putting on, even though as we would observe it from our position, it looks like they're 10, 15 years or more behind our stage. But we can see they're definitely moving in that direction. And personally, I think for the integrity of African culture, that needs to be interrupted. Personally, Mm. I think that African culture has much to teach us rather than the opposite of that. Mm, Very good point. Very good point. Um, let's talk a little bit about what made you decide. I know I know that this is an important topic, but you've been on the road with this topic for a long time. All who know you, you're an advocate of raw foods, you're an advocate of healthy living. What made you put this movie together? Well, you know, I've written some 28 books. I had three books come out earlier this year before uh, embarking upon Suicide, the movie, and completing the project in just about one month. But I love the books. I love the written word. I love doing the research. And on the plane coming back from Africa and then coming back from the East Coast, I was reading my own book, Living Superfood Research, and just really kind of, you know, studying myself that page after page after page, this book is one of the best books, literally, of the generation to help people to understand the impact of superfoods on their life. But we need to meet the people where they are. And even though I love writing and I love putting these books and these research papers and documents out, the overwhelming majority of people 
even the ones who buy it are really not even going to read it. So we have to meet the people where they are. And the medium by which people are getting their information right now is through a television or anything that resembles television as much as possible. So through the DVDs, through Internet protocol television, through many of these other mediums that we're using right now via the Internet to broadcast TV, we are reaching people who unfortunately have fallen behind that curtain of functional illiteracy. Okay, uh, Kitty, we do have a caller whose hand is up, and I'm just going to pop in and see if they want to speak to you before we go to commercial. I love it. The calls are always the best part of the program for me. <laughs> Hi, caller, you're live. Assalamu alaikum. Can you hear me? Very clearly. Uh, Sister Sheila X, how are you, Sister Rafika? I'm fine, Sister Sheila. If you have a question for Kitty, he's he's live. His mic is live. Yes, right ahead. I would like to uh, hear more about his agricultural initiative in Africa because, uh, as you know, I am into worm farming and into getting our people knowledgeable about GMOs and starting organic farms within our communities here in America, I would like to see what his thinking is in that regard. Beyond the shadow of a doubt, Sheila, and thank you for such a brilliant question, African agriculture, specifically sub-Saharan African agriculture, is one of the great economic frontiers on this planet. But we've got to be really, really careful because there's a big chess game going on right now where the U.S., in attempting to compete against China's phenomenal successes across the African continent, the U.S. is trying to force its hand to get into Africa and to place GMOs in place to be able to interrupt what a number of us envision is that Africa has the potential to become the leading organic food-producing uh, segment of the whole planet. While there, I got a chance to talk to the conference about the agricultural potential, and the audience was incredibly excited because, for one, agriculture in Africa is a low entry point. Virtually anyone in the country can engage and participate in it. But at the same time, everyone's got to eat, everyone on the entire planet. And so we realize ultimately the potential is unlimited. African agriculture is expected to triple within the next 10 to 12 years to become a major exporting competitive force on this planet, while U.S. agricultural exports have been being curtailed because of the use of genetically modified organisms as well as um, growth hormones in the dairy products. So it's a great time for us to get in, get in early, get in deep, but we do not have a lot of time for indecision. Well, sir, I am definitely on board, and hopefully we can communicate, collaborate, because I'm excited. And you I'd should be excited. I'm going to give out a website in a little bit where you can learn more about Pan-African Global Economics and why I am so tremendously excited about what we're seeing across the sub-Saharan African countries. Thank you. Greetings, beloved. Assalamu alaikum. Um, Kitty, we have a uh, 
uh, a, a visitor in the chat room, Evolution Through Fusion, and he says, um, if the lights go out, if the lights go out or if there is some type of disaster, how would one be able to grow food? And then another question that this person has is, wouldn't this process be similar for less developed countries as well? Oh, wait a minute. Well, I how does back. one grow oh. food if the lights go out? The way they did grow food before the lights were even turned on or invented, the sun is the greatest source of energy, the source of energy for all life on this planet. So the way that we grow food if the lights go out is we do it old school with sun and earth and water and seeds and caring and nurturing and skills. Um, so that, that's a fairly easy one. But, yeah, the, the agricultural expansion is available for any who would take it. In some of the greater developed parts of Africa, such as South Africa, we're seeing things such as African vineyards now coming into full competition with vineyards from California and France and other parts of the planet. And uh, that's kind of on the higher end. We're on the, and also on the higher end, we're seeing the development of full-service supermarkets across the African continent. But on the smallest side, we can see that rural agricultural initiatives, and, you know, in many countries, 80% or more of the population is involved daily in agriculture as their primary means of uh, labor. Um, these all now show a tremendous potential because of ongoing initiatives by a number of countries, not just the United States, for rural electrification schemes. The, the transportation grid is being built up quite a bit as well as now some of us, and I would say us deliberately, some of us are now starting to move into place things such as small-scale uh, production for making uh, finished products out of the local goods, as well as uh, helping with the transportation and refrigeration process. Right now, 30% of African agriculture is wasted due to spoilage. If we came up with a proper scheme to cut spoilage by half, Within the next five to ten years, that would save some fifty billion dollars in African agricultural products. Mm. Can you hold that thought? Um, I know who is in the chat room now. It's Kefra Felix. Hold hold that uh, thought there, uh, Sister Sheila. Stay on the line. We have our brother Hafiz on the line, and of course, the one and only J.R. Strong is also on the line. So we're going to go to a quick commercial break and. Um, jump right back into that conversation. Moon 107, the online one-stop shop for organic skin and hair care products. Music, art, children's books, ladies' twin tops, men's French cut shirts, and our new line of sparkling rings, earrings, and pendants. www.moon107.com That's www.moon107.com On Facebook, Moon 107, fashions and gifts that bring out the best in you. This portion of the keys was brought to you by Rafika Consultants and Services, LLC. For the best consultants and services around, make sure you find us on the web, RCS. LLC. You're listening to The Keys on Blog Talk Radio. 
Well, we're here. We're live with uh, Kiti Awadu, who is the director and the producer of the movie Chewicide. He's also a renowned author of over 20 books, a world traveler, and um, also a participant. Now, you need to go a little deeper for me, Kitty, on the Kujichagalia village, but I just want to come right back to that movie, Chewicide, uh, one more time, because it does fit into what uh, Sister Sheila and uh, Kefra Felix, who is in the chat room, is, is um, generating this dialogue about growing your own food. When we, we, we're giving people or we're exposing the problem of eating bad food that leads to these diseases that ultimately leads to our death if, if it's not corrected. But how do you get to the point where you just stop? And, I mean, it seems it seems so simple for conscious people who have already made the decision to not eat bad food. But for people who are struggling with this, Kitty, how do we help them get to the point where they can stop eating the bad food? Katie? One of the beautiful things about showing Suicide the movie, and I'm sure I've showed it at least a, tw- a dozen times across the country and uh, in other countries now, is that nearly everyone who watches it says, I'm ready to change as soon as they finish. We make a real, real strong and deliberate case for why we have to change. And then we give simple instructions. I begin at one point with six Simple instructions that anyone could do immediately that aren't even going to cost some money to, you know, to one, get the junk out of your kitchen, go through the cupboards, go through refrigerator, identify what is real food and what is not real food, and get it out of the kitchen. If you have to, box it up and keep it as emergency or earthquake food, but don't eat it and don't feed it to your children. Well, as the last, the latter part of the food, for those who have the, the consideration that producing healthy food and being in the kitchen is too inconvenient. Well, I go into the kitchen myself. As you know, I am an award-winning raw food chef. I go into the kitchen myself and make some incredibly delicious food and have people sample it to show them by living example, this is not a burden. This is a lot of fun. But the reality is, is people are going to have to make some sort of decision. Like I said earlier, we don't have time for indecision on this matter. The consequences of perpetuating suicide habits are increased, substantially increased risk of cancer, cardiovascular disease, Alzheimer's, dementia, obesity, diabetes, kidney failure, liver disease, and autoimmune disorders. These are all rising at epidemic rates amongst the American population, and this thing we call soul food has become the epitome of killer cuisine. Katie, we have the chat room, um, Yao Kefra Felix, who is in the um, call. Felix, are you there? Yes, I am. Okay, I just wanted to make sure I didn't lose you again. Um, Katie, Felix was in the chat room asking you those provocative questions about the um, growing your own food. So he's going to ask you some questions directly now. I appreciate that. I love tough questions. Hello. <laughs> you're on your life. Felix, your mic is live. Hello. We can okay, hear you. Okay, apparently he is not hearing us. Felix, can you hear us? Hello. Felix. 
Yes, I can Felix. hear anything. Can anyone hear me? Yes. We can hear you. Maybe if you just hang up the line, he'll ring right back in and get a better connection. Yeah, that might be an opportunity. Uh, yes, your your mic is live, caller. If, if you can hear me. I wanted to ask um, <clears throat> a question regarding uh, buying foods. After this, uh, this article I saw with Whole Foods targeted a new lawsuit over all natural claims. Now, uh, Whole Foods was supposed to be the the uh, place where you can get dependable, quality, non-GMO food. And then, you know, you have this lawsuit come out and all these other allegations come out. So is there – so basically, is it – there's no one we can trust except ourselves? Is, is that what we're coming down to? Um, that's a question I would like to, to have answered. Well, ultimately, we're going to have to be trusting. As long as we are dependent within the society, we're going to have to be trusting that the gasoline we buy is highest quality gasoline for a car, that the clothes we buy are not contaminated with industrial chemicals that make us sick. We're going to have to be trusting, but we should be trusting with a very great deal of knowledge, wisdom, information, and insight. Insofar as myself, I trust some of these full-service supermarkets at the same time. Growing my own organic food for 30 years. Um, Key, you can go ahead. Your mic is live. Okay, I am live. So, you know, it really comes down to it. Trust and don't trust. Whole Foods is a profit-driven corporation, just like other profit-driven corporations. You know, many people have referred to Whole Foods as whole paycheck because the cost of their food is somewhat prohibitive. But when it comes down to it, there are many wonderful products one can get in Whole Foods that you just cannot get at other local markets. Insofar as myself, I shop a spectrum of about maybe six different markets where I'm able to get the full spectrum of supplies I need for the living superfood lifestyle. One of the best markets I shop at every day is called My Backyard. Is that the name of the uh, the location you shop at? Or no, that's <laughs> that's your backyard, Keith. You grow your own. It's called food. my backyard, <laughs> and it's a location <laughs> travels there barefoot every day. <laughs> and you get to not have to dress up. <laughs> I, have to, I have to put a little something on because the neighbors can see over the wall. But you know that's just oh, not no. my okay. priority. We, we wouldn't want that. I don't want to see you in the news about flashing people. <laughs> yeah. So let's let's go back. To the movie, um, just just would like to find out from you what are some of the obstacles that you faced in, in putting this together? Well, the main obstacle I face is that independent documentary filmmaking is a very, very expensive endeavor. I have taken on some very expensive endeavors over my life, and, and making a film, making a series of films, and anticipating that the budget for these films is probably going to average between thirty and $50,000 a piece for the first two years, and I have eight of them scheduled. One has to then be very, very clever about how to do it. Now, with Suicide the Movie, I put together a GoFundMe crowdfunding effort where I was asking the larger community, people who have followed me and have supported me and believed in our projects collectively for some time, I'm just asking them, you just do 50% of an anticipated $15,000 budget for Suicide the Movie, and I'll do the other 50%. 
Well, when it came down to it, the public crowd-raising, crowdfunding, which I really appreciated, and it came in so handy, was only able to raise less than or about 50% of the 50%. Meanwhile, the cost of the film ultimately nearly doubled, which meant that I had to pick up that extra 50% that others did while doubling my own original estimate of contribution. And so it's, it's real tough. It's real tough keeping several books in print. I've got a number of books out that I keep in print at the same time, but at the same time keeping this movie in print and getting it circulated. Now I've just returned from Africa, and I've just started editing on my upcoming movie. So the process starts all over again. Next time, where eventually I'm going to learn, raise the money before you start the movie. <laughs> Now, are you still raising money for suicide? I have to every day, all day long. Even though editing a movie requires up to 16 hours a day with your head stuck in a computer on a timeline, grasping all of these little fragments and pieces and attempting to tell a cohesive story out of it, I still am Mm -hmm. forced to have to raise money every day. Luckily, I have the earlier movie, Suicide the Movie, as well as my books, that do okay, as well as speaking engagements and other things. But, boy, when it comes down to it, it will be nice one day to have a big company behind me as I'm able to then create and not be burdened with having to pay phenomenal amounts of money for the tools necessary to make a movie. How did you begin to raise the money, and how is money being raised now? Well, mainly the money being raised as of this week is um, through my travels. Um, I actually went to Africa, contracted to a group that was putting on a conference there. So they were able to pay for my accommodations and my travels, as well as give me an honorarium, which will allow me to lock myself in my office with this timeline for a month or more. But I still have to pay the rent, still have to pay the incidentals of food and everything. And so we just cannot let up. So I make money as a chef. I make money as an author. I make money as a lecturer. And uh, sometimes the miracles happen, despite the fact that we were seemingly not prepared resource-wise to be able to secure the miracle. But, you know, miracles really require our collaboration, cooperation, Sometimes we have to show that we're willing to go 80 or more percent of the way to be able to get our hands on a miracle. And, and Kitty, you know, what, what I admire so much about you is you don't sit home and cry, I can't, you do it. You just get up and you do it. And you're saying, well, once I get the wind under my feet to make this happen, it's going to happen. That's exactly the attitude. You know, there is so much pessimism within the framework of the culture and the consciousness that is pervasive within our communities, especially here in America. There's so much pessimism. And at this particular point, I don't have a very high tolerance threshold for pessimism, for a presumption of an attitude that no matter what I try, there's always going to be someone who's got superior resources who's going to block my action. Hey, I just won't tell him I'm doing it. I'm going to do it anyway. Well, we have a a, uh, caller that wants to speak to you about rice being grown in Africa. And I'm going to um, turn his mic on, and you can go ahead with your question. 
question or statement. Your mic is live. Thank you. Um, my name's Hafiz. Uh, I was listening to the show. There's a lot of great information about food, but I had a question about growing roses in Africa, and I had heard that in Sudan, a lot of the land was unused, and so there's an Indian guy from India, and he came in there, made a deal to grow rice and roses, and it's a significant amount to the point where he's like cornered the rose market in the world, and also he's the amount of rice is significant. Like it's like something like 10 or 20% of the land in that was unused, they gave it to him, and he created a massive type of farm. I was really looking for more information on anything anyone's heard about that. The United States is the world's leading rice exporter, and uh, Vietnam is, I think, the second leading exporter. The U.S. rice industry was founded when Africans came to America and taught them how to grow rice. It's a shame right now when I travel to Ghana and to other West African countries that have their own indigenous rice strains, which I think are far superior than this bleached um, and nutritionless white stuff that America is pushing on the world. It's a shame that the Ghanaians prefer to eat bleached white Western rice than eat their own highly nutritious, dense red rice. It's really a tragedy. So when we see this tremendous potential of African agriculture to expand, and yes, you're right, it's not just food. It also includes flowers as well as a number of industrial crops, such as sisal and uh, other crops. Africa could grow hemp at a phenomenal rate and really become the world's leading supplier of industrial hemp. So we can do this. We know we don't have a lot of time. We saw in Madagascar about three years ago, the Daewoo Corporation from South Korea came in and cut a deal with a new government there in Madagascar, whereby they leased 32 million acres of agricultural land for a 99-year lease for 12 cents per acre per year. It almost just complete scandalous ripoff. Fortunately, that government was overthrown, and a new government came in and uh, actually canceled that deal. But many African countries want to be partners. I've heard this firsthand from Zimbabwe, from Kenya, from Ghana, from Benin, and they will go more than 50% of the way to become agricultural partners with us. I have had ambassadors and governors and others say to me directly, we want the African-Americans to come over here and help us develop an agricultural system that is up to the potential of the land. I'm really excited about it, but I'm kind of frustrated that my brothers and sisters on this side don't seem to understand what it is they are asking for and what I'm talking about. I'm coming back to the food, and I know I understand the question about the roses, but I'm coming back to the food and I'm coming here to North America. Is the only solution to eating healthy to, is to grow your own food? Because many of us don't have the land facility to grow our own food. So I wanted the question to be looked at in two parts. One, if you don't have a lot of land, how can you begin to grow some food, and then what is the alternative? Okay, wonderful. Um, I believe in collaborative, cooperative uh, efforts 
as we've always produced our greatest advances as a civilization through cooperation, collaboration. And African Americans are going to have to make some serious decisions, such as during the 20th century, we allowed between 70 and 85 percent of our agricultural lands to fall through our fingers and squeezed ourselves into about 30 urban areas where right now we are dying off. Uh, with the Kujichagalea Villages uh, projects, we have now reclaiming some 300 or more acres of this land and attempting to put in the structure that can make this land once again highly productive and industry-creating. But at the same time, based upon what I know, if I have no land, I can grow food on a patio, I can grow it on the stair steps leading up to my house, and if I have no, no other alternative, give me 12 ball jars or mason jars, and I will grow the highest, most nutritionally dense food called sprouts right on my kitchen counter. You don't even need sunlight to grow sprouts. I'm sprouting right now on my kitchen counter. So people, there is no excuse. We've got to get imaginative. We've got to get creative. We've got to get well-informed, and we have to also get in motion, because the longer we delay on this, the more we're going to see the continued destructive impact of chronic diseases as it goes from house to house, house to house. In the last year of life, a case of cancer or cardiovascular disease extracts some $50,000 out of the average household in the last year of life. So last year of life, you spend $50,000 and then you die. Whose money was that? That was our children and grandchildren's inheritance money. And now we're turning it over to pharmaceutical companies and others who are cashing in on our ignorance mm -hmm. and misery. Yes, and it's a full circle. It's the, the medical, the, the funerary, the hospitals. Um, I want to go back to, as you were talking about, uh, you were fundraising for the movie, and you said this is a, an ongoing effort. Where can people go if they want to um, support you in this effort? Uh, thank you so much. I've got so many websites. <laughs> but, um, I'm like your, your classic description of a Jamaican who wears 12 different employment hats. Well, that's me. But we do um, have the website for the movie, and it's simple, chewicidemovie.com, C-H-E-W-I-C-I-D-E, chewicidemovie.com. As well as I love it if people take a look at my books. I've got three new books out this year two of which are on health and nutrition, and you can find those books at livingsuperfood.com. And then the site has got me really excited as I'm working on the new documentary on pan-African economic development. The new site, site that I have is a newsletter and information site called africadestiny.com. And at africadestiny.com you can get my new book, which is entitled the Sun Rises in the East, African Trade and Development for the 21st Century, as well as since I've come back, I'm writing a series of white papers, research papers, that people can get for a very small amount of money that are going to really put them on the cutting edge of these major global changes in economics, especially with regard to a progressive pan-African perspective. Keith, you have such a wealth 
of information from so many different angles, and I, I just love how you bring it all in into one life existence. It's not separated. It's all connected. I want to talk about your cover for the, for the book, Soul Food. Do we really know what's in it? The Conscious Roster Report. Um, I love the picture. You have a picture of fried chicken, what looks like uh, syrup and waffles with a big old pat of butter on it. Um, <laughs> let's talk about that book. <laughs> Boy, what a deadly meal that is. And as you know, that meal of recent years has become kind of a popular soul food restaurant dish, chicken and waffles. But we, in the book, Soul Food, do we really know what's in it? That book actually is one of the fastest, if not the fastest book I've ever put together, Conscious Roster Report. And it was a consequence of an interview that I did with a couple of brothers from the West Coast right here on a blog talk radio channel. So the interview was on Monday. And I put together this phenomenal outline with some facts and notes to be able to describe the contents of some 20 different popular soul food dishes. And the program hit so hard, the information really made such an impact that I think by Friday or Saturday that week, I had taken the outline and created a whole book out of it. So for many people, you know, we, we go deep into things such as chicken and uh, this disease-ridden mutant bird that couldn't even survive without the heavy use of industrial farming chemicals. And we really break it all down. And, and when it comes down to it, by the time the pig started calling itself the other white meat, we had to look at the chicken and ask the question, well, what is it about you that the pig says they're exactly like you now? And by the time we oh. finish answering that question in all honesty, the, pig, the chicken ain't nothing but a pig with wings. Oh, my goodness. My goodness. And then you, 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 you want to go a little bit into the butter and then the, the ingredients of the waffle and why the waffle is not good for our digestion, and then the syrup. Yeah, well, okay, the butter is, of course, made from cow fat. These toxic cows are eating GMO crops every day during their fattening period as well as we know the milk has been loaded over decades with RB, RBST, bovine growth hormones, and other substances. The, the cows are full of all kind of E. coli, and now they're having these super bugs, uh, Campylobacteria, and, uh, oh, just a number of them. I do mention a bunch of bugs, protozoa, and bacteria that contaminate the dairy. And the problem is is that the worst of the toxins accumulate in fat, adipose tissue, and this fat is what is in the milk that they make the butter and the cream and other substances from. And now you talk about the waffles. The waffles have a number of different ingredients in them, including the eggs, which come from the chickens only opening the cloica, from which it does all of its business through. And the eggs, of course, are miniature chickens, these 49-day miracle birds which grow in indoor conditions, wallowing in the filth of their entire flock, loaded up with antibiotics, a Prozac-like substance to keep them from going crazy in their misery for 49 days, as well as mm. arsenic in their food, a brand known as Roxarsone. And so the eggs, the white, the bleach white flour is incredibly toxic um, and also is highly diabetogenic. And then lastly comes the artificially flavored maple syrup, 
which most people are shocked to find out, the artificial flavoring quite often comes from a substance called, ooh, I can't remember the name of it right now, but the substance is extracted from beaver butt glands. Oh, no. Artificial flavoring, beaver butt glands. Would you like to have another plate of chicken and waffles? I knew you'd break it down. Um, you'd make it plain um, so the dumbest of us could understand it. The substance I was trying to name is called castorium. So if the manufacturer doesn't want to tell you that they're using squeezings out of the back end of a beaver to flavor your food, they'll just call it oh. castorium. You know, I don't even want to find out who ever thought about that, first of all. That's just disgusting. <laughs> um, our, our chat room uh, friend here, uh, Felix, wants to know, um, one, he has two more questions. He says, what are the best and easiest things to sprout indoors? And then he wants you to uh, suggest some books to make quick okay. uh, and delicious raw foods. Wonderful. We do a lot of indoor sprouting. I particularly love using sprouted garbanzos from which I make my hummus and make some falafels and some other delicious dishes. Um, sunflower seeds are very easy and very quick to sprout, and they add a strong life factor to everything. I'm about to make some um, not tuna fish out of sunflower sprouts, mung bean sprouts, alfalfa sprouts, and it's a wonderful, t- tasty dish of which Every time you use sprouts, you're getting absolutely the absolute highest order of nutrition, complete proteins as well as vitamins, minerals, and fiber as well. So, you know, sprouting is great. You can order broccoli sprouts. Probably the single most nutrition-dense food that we might eat would be broccoli sprouts, but you could also sprout mustard seeds, collard green seeds, et cetera, et cetera. So kitchen counter sprouting, it's actually quite popular in some communities. We need to make it more popular in our communities. And the second part of the question? Uh, he wanted to know about books on raw foods, recipes on raw foods. Okay, the best book on raw food recipes that I'm allowed to recommend is, of course, my own. I have a wonderful collection of them, but I think mine really suits our people and our propensity towards dense taste. So my book is entitled Living Superfood Recipes, where we say food is nature's most perfect medicine, and medicine has never tasted like this before. They can get superfood recipes at livingsuperfood.com. They can get the print version, or if they want to store it tonight, they can get the digital download for a discounted price. I just um, put the I put the link um in the chat room, so all the, all of you who are in the chat room can just click on the link and check out the livingsuperfoods.com. And we have another caller who just uh, That's came in. Living Superfood with no S on it. No S. Livingsuperfood.com. <laughs> uh, we have another caller who did call in. I don't know if he's just listening or if he wants to talk to you, but if you want to talk to Kitty, you have to um, hit the pound sign, press the number one. In the meantime, uh, Kitty, we need to begin to wrap this portion of our conversation up because it's never the end. It's only another chapter in our in our conversations. One of the things that I want to talk about before you leave is to let all of our listeners know that you offer 
consultations, and my husband and I can testify to the world that we did your hydration program. After you came on the show, we talked about hydrating the body, the four stages of hydration, and um, we called you and we went through that program for 14 days, and it was marvelous. I highly recommend it. I love it when people put this brilliance that we have collectively collectively put together. I love it when people apply it. And so, um, yes, we do the one-on-one nutrition consultations. Some people who call me are in dire shape. I've dealt with people in various stages of cancer, um, kidney disease, uh, diabetes. Of course, we get that so frequently, as well as hypertension, high blood pressure. Most people are shocked and surprised how quickly the body responds and begins to heal itself. Again, I cannot heal the body. Nobody can heal the body. No medicine, the herbs, they do not heal the body. The best that we can do is to create that foundation by which the body does what it was designed to do, and that's heal itself, repair itself, and rejuvenate itself. How do people get in touch with you if they're interested? If they are interested, they can go to the websites as Living Superfood dot com as well as suicide movie dot com as well as I'm um, editing this movie right now it gets real busy but for another hour or so in case anybody wants to call me in the office I will take some phone calls because like I say the phone calls are the best part of the conversation to to me and that is area code three two three nine zero two two nine one nine now I am on the west coast so if you're on the east coast don't call me at eight o'clock in the morning your time or else you'll get a very groggy voice who acts like he doesn't even want to talk to you. Yes. Um, Kitty, hang on a moment. Uh, We'll be right back. We're just going to take one more commercial break and um, begin to wrap up. Hang on. Moon 107, the online one-stop shop for organic skin and hair care products. Music, art, children's books, ladies' tunic tops, men's French cut shirts, and our new line of sparkling rings, earrings, and pendants www.moon107.com That's www.moon107.com On Facebook, Moon 107 Fashions and gifts that bring out the best in you Welcome back to The Key With your Well, Kitty, I thank you again for giving us your time And opening up our minds, you know And I know, um It's a mindset first that's going to help anybody get through breaking the habitual bad eating habits. Um, It's a mindset, and you have to first condition your mind to tell you that you can control what you put into your body. You do have options. You don't have to eat the food because it's on the dollar menu. You are so absolutely correct. And let me tell you, this is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. While not being able to divulge all of the particular plans I'm involved in, let's just say this much. We are only limited in our achievements by the breadth and the scope of our imagination. So we're going to have to start imagining a nation Any group of people, Africans in America, 43.5 million strong, with over a trillion dollars annually in discretionary income, there is nothing that we cannot do 
there is no mythical great super white man who's there to block every action that we do. Let's put that mythology to, let's plant it in the graveyard as soon as possible and get our people back to work and back to appreciating the fruits of our own labor. Remember, we built this great nation. We taught them how to grow rice. It was George Washington Carver who saved Southern agriculture. We are not done building great nations. Mm. Kitty, give out your phone number one more time. Give out the web address one more time. Give out your Facebook. Okay. The web address is livingsuperfood.com. That will connect you to suicidemovie.com as well. They can see me on Facebook. My name is easy to find, K-E-I-D-I. A W A D U Kidi Awadu. You can always put my first name in a in the search engine, and it will come up and link you to a lot of the different places where we have this information. Been calling for about an hour, then I'm gonna stop answering the phone at three two three nine zero two two nine one nine. Thank you so much, beloved sister Rafik. I am just so absolutely grateful that the Creator has placed you on this beautiful pathway through life that I'm enjoying, and I look forward always to our encounters. Thank you, Kitty. And, and I, and I want to say that the DVD is for sale. Um, it's is it, it's 19.95. is that correct? Well, actually, I've discounted it uh, recent, and I've been reluctant to take the discount off. So people call me while I'm still in a good mood. <laughs> They'll say <laughs> an additional $5 off of it. <laughs> Awesome, awesome, and you can get that directly from uh, Calling Kitty or on the website, and I want to thank all of you who have taken a moment to sit with us. Your time is very valuable, and you are very precious to the Keys 107, and thank you for joining us on our journey as we pursue love, peace, and happiness, and open doors to endless possibilities. You can reach us uh, through Facebook. We have a Facebook group, the Keys 107 Network. You can uh, send us suggestions for upcoming show ideas you may have of interest at suggestions at the Keys 107 Network. Dot com. Visit our website at www.thekeys107network.com. We have an archive of a great body of work of over 350 shows that we've produced over the years with some of the greatest talk show hosts out there. And uh, tune in to Hoodrich Magazine with uh, J.R. Strong. I am your host, Rafika, and I thank you once again. We're going to close with our Ernie J. Smith, South African jazz musician, song, Odette song. And we're still live in the chat room, and Kitty's still available. So take advantage of that time, and we'll see you next Thursday at 8 p.m.
Blog Talk Radio, 